0: this is a lesson that i learned along the way is that i think in the early days of fundraising it's sort of like there's a there's just like pressure and you know there's just sort of pressure to kind of present as if everything is perfect and yet investors look at hundreds of businesses a year in similar stages and everyone knows it's not perfect and i think it's so much more powerful to be able to in a very authentic way say i figured out a b and c and here's my plan for D, but I don't have D figured out yet,
1: That's it. Welcome to the Jess Larson Show, where I interview innovators, leaders, and uncommonly high achievers. Today, today on the show, we've got Capsule CEO, Eric Kinariwala. If you missed part one, please go back and hear about growing this brand to a billion dollars, growing to 1200 staff, some of their approaches, and how they've completely changed the way a uh, pharmacy experience happens. Eric, when we left part one, you talked about this idea of of decision making. I'm going to call it walking a balance beam, and it sounded like falling off one side of the balance beam is not being focused enough, and falling off the other side is leaving opportunities on the table that that make sense to bring inside the company. I'm interested what your personal philosophy is
0: for navigating that balance beam. I, I think I mean one one heuristic I use is you never want to. I, I think I think you never want to. You want to make sure. That in pursuing the next opportunity, that the opportunity that you have that has enabled you or earned you the right to be in the position to tackle next opportunity, you don't screw that up. And so that's in some in maybe the simplest way is how we think about, you know, do we feel comfortable? Is it the right thing to go after an incrementally new opportunity? And so do we, you know, do we feel like we've really nailed the thing that we're working on and have been working on? And does that feel like it's in a place where that if, you know, some portion of someone's attention, inclusive of mine, is less focused on that, you know, is that is that thing going to get worse because of that? And if the answer to that is yes, then we won't tackle the next thing. And if the answer to that is no, then, you know, it feels like we've got the wherewithal and the capacity to tackle the next thing. There's maybe a, yeah. a pretty simple way that we think about it.
1: I think I'm going to have to re-listen to that sh- this show. I'm going to have to write that down and think about that for a while. I think there's a lot more in that to unpack. You know, another subject that's really interesting to me is you look at the experience of you guys raising over $500 million. And there's so many folks these days that are trying to get better at fundraising. What what advice would you have for them?
0: I think a couple of pieces of advice. One is, you know, the first time, you, you never want the first time you meet somebody. I mean, this is totally not new advice, but I think it's true is you never want the first time you meet somebody to be a capital conversation. And I think there's, you know, one of our board members, Jared Weinstein at Thrive, his, you know uses this phrase that's really resonating with me, which is this idea of showing the arc of progress and the ability for people to get to know you and your team and your business and to see, you know, gosh, I met you in January and you were doing X and you told me you were going to do this other thing by June and it's June and that you've met again and the company's bigger and the team's bigger and better and you've made progress against that milestone and the the more that people can see that in an, in an organic way, uh, the better. So that's one advice: is is to sort of think about. You know, I think there's varying advices on this. There's you know some of it's sort of fundraising is distracting, and so you should only engage with investors when you're sort of ready to have capital. And the other is that hey, you're always fundraising and you're always building relationships. And the answer is probably you know both in some ways. But I think that you know that's one. I also think it enables you. You know, it's a two way street. Like you know, I think you want partners who are long-term aligned with the vision and the mission and the values of, of the business. And you want people who are going to be you know, supportive and who are going to deeply understand your business um, because inevitably there will be ups and downs and doing something hard takes time. And so you want people who are invested for the long haul and the ability to get to know those folks and build trust with them and to see if they'd be good partners and people you want in the trench with you, it lets you know, the entrepreneur do the same thing. It's not always possible, but I think that's probably like, you know, really good advice. I think the other piece of advice on fundraising is that, you know, and I think this is a lesson that I learned along the way is that I think in the early days of fundraising, it's sort of like there's a, there's just like pressure and, you know, there's just sort of pressure to kind of present as if everything is perfect. And yet investors look at hundreds of businesses a year in similar stages and everyone knows it's not perfect. And I think it's so much more powerful to be able to, in a very authentic way, say I figured out A, B, and C, and here's my plan for D, but I don't have D figured out yet. And, and I think that just goes a long way to being credible in terms of what you're trying to do versus, you know, every single thing about my three-year-old business is completely perfect, which is like, just obviously not true for anybody. And I think it lets you have, it, you know, it comes back to trust, right? Like it, I think it lets you have a, a deeper, richer conversation and it lets you also get people's advice and perspective from, it lets you learn along the way, right? Because not everyone, no matter who you are, is going to say to wanting to be a part of the journey. And so the ability to learn along the way from really smart people is really valuable as well.
1: Yeah. I'm interested in how your advice would change when you've got a no year business, that first dollar. You know, what are your thoughts for that individual who's who's going out asking for the first dollar?
0: I think people are betting on you by and large, right? Unless your no unless your no dollar business has magically and organically virally taken off with a product that you and your friend um, or co-founder built together you know, people are betting on you and people are betting on whether you can navigate a market that, you know, ideally is under transition or evolving and, and whether you've got the fortitude to, to do that. And, and so I think, you know, often that first dollar is coming from people, you know, right. It's coming from friends or family or people you've built relationships with over time because they're just betting on you and that's okay. Right. Like that's actually in some ways, great. Like to me, you know, there's in some ways it's probably, you know, right. It's like, in some ways it's probably harder to get people that know you to, to to open their wallet because they know you and so i think i think there's probably some element of that but i think that that's you know i think that's that's by and large i think if in my experience and conversations with you know people that invest at that stage it's it's almost all about the the entrepreneur and the in the early entrepreneurial team and, and and a little bit about the market they're going after
1: that's great advice um thinking maybe another step along that process for those folks that they do raise they do raise those first dollars they do grow it and now they need to make this shift from from being the team to to leading the team to as you talked about before making sure everybody else has what they need to get their job done you know in those early days when they're working the 12 hour days and they're doing every single job and wearing 100 hats do you have any thoughts for this transition from from being the inspiration being the one with the ideas being the one doing everything to to really stepping back and and changing roles, and and like you talked about, making sure everybody else has what they
0: need to get it done. Because yeah,
1: you're not going to do everything at a even medium sized organization, let alone a large one,
0: right? Yeah, 100. percent I don't know the 12 hour day stop, but the nature of how you spend your time certainly changes. I, you know, I think there's kind of three. There's like kind of three. At least I've thought about the the journey in sort of three phases. So the first is you're hands on and you're building the product and you're and you're sort of getting to product market fit. And before you have that, like that is, that is like laser focused where, you know, the founder, the CEO, the entrepreneur should be focused. And then I think as you have that, and you've started to see some success with distribution and a go-to-market motion, your job becomes to field the team that can continue building that product and distributing that product. And once that's in place and that, you know, this, this is like an arc over like, you know, many, many years, and then I think the role becomes to sort of build the company and the culture and the team that can build the next product and the next series of products over time, right? And so that, that's kind of how I thought about the arc of, of sort of the role and that, you know, I think in all stages of that, like, you know, recruiting great talent, integrating them, onboarding them, creating a common sense of purpose and values and culture and how you operate. Is consistent. I think the people you're recruiting, you know, changes over time, but that's been one constant for sure in terms of my time allocation. And then, yeah, I mean, I think that you're, you know, as, as you're kind of progressing through that, that arc, I think the things you're, you're trying to put in place are, you know, are, are different. Right. And so it becomes a lot more about how do you create the process and structure that enables the, the things that made the company successful in the first place. To be replicable and that's different for you know every industry and every entrepreneur and in every product set but i think that's the kind of arc is you know could you could you build the next company inside of that company without you the entrepreneur being the one that has their hand on the pulse of doing that because you've set up a way of problem solving a way of thinking a way of communicating and a way of operating that's been codified and kind of baked into all of the different processes of the company and that's like a really really long journey right that's like a multi-decade it's a very long journey to do that but I think that's the arc.
1: Well, it it's sure holding yourself to a higher standard, right? To have to look at this potential new hire through that
0: filter, right? It pushes you. Hundred percent. Yeah, it pushes. Your- yeah, absolutely pushes you, and it pushes you to have, you know, pushes you to to have you know simplicity and clarity around you know what are the you know what are the things that you know you believe create and enable someone to be successful in your organization because that you know that culture and behavior patterns or work patterns are different everywhere, and yeah. and so, you know we kind of say like. It's not just, are you the world's best marketer? It's, can you be the world's best marketer here? And that here part is perhaps sometimes more important than the world's best part. And, and I think that's like a discovery process around like, you know, what, what is the company and what, you know, how is it different and what types of people are, you know, what does it take to be successful here? It's really important. Well, okay.
1: So that brings up my next question. Let's talk about marketing for a minute. Looking way back for you guys, what kind of advice do you have for someone where you know, they they've got their first users or they've done their first customer acquisitions, right? But it's probably been people they knew they know. And now they're they're like, okay, we need people to sign up for us online without ever having met one of us. We don't have this great reputation, we don't have years of customer satisfied customers to rely on. What kind of a mindset or what kind of tactics or what kind of ideas would you have for those folks who they need to do this new customer acquisition to strangers for the first time? Uh.
0: I think testing and learning is sort of been the consistent, you know, advice that I've received and what I've seen be successful across the board. And so when you, and and there's so many of these sort of, you know, the Airbnb Craigslist scraping story, you know, Netflix in the early days had somebody on all these like niche movie message boards kind of saying, you know, Hey, I found this great service where you can get any horror movie forever. There are these sort of, you know, almost kind of startup lore, you know, customer acquisition hack stories and they're lore for a reason. But I think there's always sort of a way to find a creative way to to test things out at a low cost and to understand like what message and what channel is resonating with your potential customer set. And as you get that data, you can keep iterating and investing in the things that are working, and you know, pretty quickly kill the things that that aren't. But I think that that process is almost always, you know, for us it was, and I think for every company that I know is 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 iterative around the intersection of you know, marketing message, you know, market messaging, you know, customer segment and the channel and the medium you're going after. And so the advice is, I think, start small and test and see what works and doesn't and mostly understand why and how you can kind of have fast feedback loops around that.
1: Yeah. You know, we've talked about the company so much. I, I'm interested in you as a person. You know, there's so few people, let, let's just narrow it down. If you take just the audience of entrepreneurs who want to build a billion dollar company, <laughs> there's so few that that have done it. When you think about your personal approach to life, your personal approach to decision-making, what what kind of things that you think, what kind of things do you think you've personally done different to achieve what you've achieved?
0: Gosh, I don't, I don't know that I've done, I, I, you know, I don't know that it's been, you know, explicit. I think there's, you know, I think there's some just, I think there are things that were instilled in me as a, as a kid. My mom is an entrepreneur, has had her own business for, you know, as long as I can remember. And my dad's a, a mechanical engineer, worked at a small, small software company for most of his career. And I, you know, I think, I think For me, it's probably some of the real basics. It's sort of around just being sort of persistent and and being you know being persistent, being I think kind is probably something that's like you know probably has come from both my parents. Probably my dad mostly He's like the nicest guy in the world, and you know I think I think that you know I think those are a couple of the things you know that have been instilled in me from an early age that I think have let me feel like let me feel like it's not you know the goal was never to build like the goal was never like let me sit down and figure out how to build a billion dollar business. It was, you know, how do I solve this problem that I've experienced myself and I've seen, you know, my friends and physicians and my parents and others struggle with, and how do we solve this in the best way? And that's always been the North Star. And I think a very close second to that North Star has been really just on its own as its own objective is how do you feel the best team, you know, anywhere, um, right? Like what is what does it look like you know, gosh, wouldn't it be interesting to have been on the 96 Bulls? Like, gosh, that would have been an amazing thing. And what does it look like to field that team in, in your own way for your own company that can help you accomplish that North Star? And those have been, I think those objectives have, I think, served me well, as opposed to sort of like an external monetary objective or you know, I want to build a billion dollar business or a $10 billion business, both of which, you know, I would like it for us to do, but I think the inputs and in getting there and saying, focus on the inputs and it are really important. And then I think just being probably like lesson learned along the way as a first time entrepreneur is like finding your, like, it's kind of like finding yourself a little bit, like what is your own authentic leadership style? and there's so many people when you get started that you know people on your team people that have invested advisors and everyone has valuable advice and so kind of integrating and listening to all that advice but ultimately make you know it doesn't work unless you're authentic to who you are and i think getting comfortable with that is, is actually pretty hard because you, don't, you actually kind of don't know what you're supposed to act like as a founder, an entrepreneur, as a CEO. And so there's this ability to very quickly start questioning, are you doing things, quote unquote, the right way? And the right way is the thing that's authentic to you that is aligned with your own principles. And hopefully those principles are things that other people subscribe to and that are going to lead you to like a positive outcome. And so those are some of the things that have been, you know, guiding for me is just just really lean into, you know, the things that I'm good at and that are authentic and, and try to build a team that can complement the very many things that I'm not good at.
1: You know, it's funny how easy that is to say, but it's, it's interesting the, the, you know, the spot I get to sit on this side, you know having done 700 of these episodes, I hear other people say that, but I don't get the the deep sense of commitment from them that I get from you, you know? And it's like, it's not, I don't know. It, I think it goes back to your point about persistence. Like I can tell like you're genuinely trying to live that more so than saying the right thing, you know, saying the thing that sounds right, you know, and that's got to make all the difference.
0: I think it's just gotta be, you know, it's it's stuff is, you know, I think, I think it's like everything, everything is hard and so- not having to pretend to be somebody else maybe makes like something that's hard slightly easier and, and a lot more fun.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: this has been great. Obviously, I think everybody should go to capsule.com
1: and then obviously connect with you on Twitter, or LinkedIn. By the way, where did you grow up? I
0: grew up outside Detroit.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm interested in any ways you feel like that ended up being an advantage for you.
0: No, I grew up in a pretty generic American suburb. <laughs> yeah?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, if nothing... If, I mean I grew up in a pretty interesting town to be fair. I grew up on I grew up in this town that, you know, if you'd like think about politics, I grew up in a county that was the last literally the last stop that both Donald Trump and Hillary made in the in the election that they, you know, were kind of vying for. And I grew up in this town where like right in the middle like where sort of like west of me was like a fairly wealthy professional you know auto executives doctors all that stuff and east of the town I grew up in were you know UAW factories Chrysler Ford assembly plants and so I grew up in this town that was sort of this really interesting intersection of both of those things that perhaps you know I think lets you maybe get a get a flavor for you know kind of a fuller set of how how different people you know live and grow up and what matters to them yeah no kidding Well, um, this has been great. Thanks for making time for this. Likewise. Thank you.
1: Okay. Bye, everybody.